So, Heather, let's start with that capital to Hillel. Or audio. I can't do this. Thank you. Thank you. Right, we're going to say to Hillel, Hashem should protect all of the Eden, particularly our soldiers, our policemen, the hostages, and all the Eden. I mean, Lama not say, Mizmor lo David, Yancha, Dinoi, Biem Soda, Yisagev, Hashem, Elohe Yaakov, Yishlach, Ezra, Chami Koydesh, Shemitzion, Yisodeko. Yisko'ikol <laughs> Vanachnu kamu vanesoidot adinoi hoshiyo amelachyaneinu v'yom koreinu. Okay, I would like to share a, a very important concept that properly clarifies two words that are commonly used especially when people learn Kabbalah, when people learn Hasidus, it became almost part of the slang amongst many people. And pointing out how there are two opposite ideas. Let me just begin with a little story that the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, shortly after he got married, began to write a diary, which is a very interesting exercise that I think most people fantasize about, few people actually do it, it helps a person see themselves, see their growth, see their ups, see their downs, and that diary was specifically to record the interactions he had with his Rebbe, which happened to be his father-in-law, interesting dynamic over just with that, and the first entry that he wrote was something that was told to him by, by the previous <coughs> Rebbe on Tuesday, Hey Teves, 1929. The 5th of Teves is a Chabad holiday. I'll speak a little bit about it, but let me share with you that, that record that has a very, very useful, very useful and deep concept. And the record was, these are like more mystical things, that the previous Rebbe had a dream. And in his dream, he was sitting by a gathering known as a Fabrengen, by his father, by the fifth Chabad Rebbe. And it's, in general, it's beautiful to have a dream with a Rebbe or with a parent, if you had a good relationship with them. Even more beautiful if there was Torah ideas that were changed in the dream that you recall, that you remember. By Hasidim, it's a big deal. It's a big deal having a dream, hearing Torah, and remembering the Torah. I want to share a story within the story about this idea, how powerful it is, that in the, in the, in the 30s, there was a rabbi called Rabbi Garfinkel. I know some of his nephews who are already elder Jews, without insulting myself. He's like in his 90s. He's like an elder. And his uncle was a brilliant Talmudist, who purposefully did not get married because he had tuberculosis, 
which was sometimes dormant, sometimes it flared up. It, I don't know that much about tuberculosis. I'm sure that today, thank God, there's a lot of advancement, including in, in medicine. At that time, he understood that just like that, he can pass away. When it was dormant, he was good, and if it flares up, he can pass away. He did not find <coughs> it responsible to get married and to have children. And uh, every now and then, he needed to go and take x-rays and see what's happening. And there was a diet that he needed to keep to. He was unable to afford whatever those healthier foods were. If I'm not mistaken, it was uh, cheese from goat's milk. There was some sort of food that he couldn't afford. And the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, took interest in him and made sure that his household, meaning he had three daughters, I don't know if they were married then or not married then, but he used to come whenever he needed to get whatever it was that the yeshiva couldn't afford, that he certainly could not afford, and the Rebbe's house provided it for him. And he came one morning, and he was very excited. He told whichever one of the Friedrich Rebbe's daughters, I had a dream. And in the dream, same concept, it was a Fabrengen, and I heard a Hasidic discourse. And he was excited just to share that he had that when the daughter told it to the Rebbe, to the previous Rebbe, he asked his daughter to ask him, does he remember the content of the Torah? And he said he does. And it was a Hasidic discourse on the opening prayer of the Shemayna Esrei, which is the eighth blessing, which is where we're asking God, you God, you heal us and you save us. And he says he remembers the Maimer, he remembers the, the, the Torah thought. So the Friedrich Rebbe told his daughter to tell him that if you remember the Torah about healing, you are healed. Tragedy there was is that before he got married, this happened, this must have happened right before the Holocaust. In Poland, the war broke out in, the, in November 39. That's probably when this happened. He ended up getting killed by the Nazis. But, but the story is, is that he was Mamash healed. He had a shalem. So coming back to our story. So the Rebbe, tell, the Rebbe writes that his father-in-law told him that he had a dream, and he was by a Fabrengen, and the Rebbe Rashab shared the following idea. Now guys, this idea is, is so important. The Maimed explains that Rebbe's writing the difference between Birur and Nisayon. Nisayon. Let me just share the words Birur. I don't know if you hear these words, Birurim. Birurim I know amongst Chabad, amongst, uh, let's say, Breslav Hasidim. Birurim. In plural, in singular, bidur. Bidur literally means to clarify. Bidur means to disentangle something that's entangled. Bidur means that one of the ways of looking at what are we doing here? What's our purpose here? That there is a world in which there is a lot of good and a lot of bad, and they are intertwined one with the other. Prior to the primordial sin, there was good and there was bad. Simple. Do good, stay away from bad. The Eitz Hadas Toivara means that from then until at some point in the future, words of the Zohar, there is no good that has bad in it. Every good has a little bit of bad in this world. And every bad has a little bit of good. Which makes life that confusing. All right? And in other words, everything is confused. Everything is intertwined. As an example, this is an example that Chabad Hasidus gives a lot. When we eat, we think we need to eat because without eating, we won't live, which is true, but there is another purpose for eating, whether we are more or less aware, that in the world, you have sparks of godliness, 
sparks from this uh, world called Toyu, some very powerful energies scattered in the world that we know of, but it's somewhere stuck in it. And when we eat, we have to elevate those sparks, which means that when we make sure to eat kosher, when we make sure to make a blessing prior post-eating, when we make sure that we eat in moderation, when we make sure that the energy that we get from the food is being properly used, we're spending it on something good, or at least on something neutral, and not for something which is not good, then we elevated the food. And just like physically, without effort, conscious, without conscious effort, when we eat, the body is busy separating the good from the bad. Because even this health aid kombucha has some bad in it, with all respect. And even the mezoinas, the pastry with the white flour and the poison sugar, there's some good in it. That's the way that there's good and bad. And when the person eats, the body mamish is separating. The, ultimately, the bad it expels and the good becomes blood and the good becomes energy and the good becomes good fuel. And that is mirroring another process that might be happening unconsciously. Here is where we want to be mindful of the inner process. It's a choice. Know that there is good and bad in everything and I have to figure out what is the good in it, what is the bad in it, Absorb the good, expel the bad. People hear ideas. In every idea, there's good and bad. In every experience, there's good and bad. In every emotion, there's good and bad. And that's the world that we know it. And it's almost like we are here to be involved in the avoida of birurim. Which means it's not about me. It's about, let me, let me figure out the bad and reject it. And let me see the good and use it and elevate it. At least acknowledge it, thank it, appreciate it, etc. Avoidus habirurim. The avoid of birurim is difficult. Particularly when some challenge comes our way. See, when good comes our way, I'm not talking about seeing, well, what's the bad part of it? I'm not talking. Now let's speak about the norm. Not that, not that much good is coming anyone's way now. So when something challenging comes, you hear something challenging. So the avoid would be, okay, where is the silver lining? Let me find the good in it. How can I rectify it? How can I fix it? We're fixing. We're fixers. Tikkun, right? And birur is the same idea in this context. Tikkun means that there's something here. I have the raw material. The raw material is usable. It was just put together in a bad way. Or it already broke. And now I need to fix it. Birur, tikkun. So yeah, it's not that it's bad. It's, it's challenging. And my job is to make it good. So the person is basically externally oriented. What's out here? And let me deal with the world as it is, see the challenge, and somehow elevate, better it, fix it. There is another word that's called nisoyon. Nisayon. Nisayon means a test. Something challenging comes my way. Ooh, this is a nisoyon. Well, doesn't that mean that you have to do birur? So the Rebbe said in the dream and the Maimer, no, 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 that we use the word Nesoyen specifically when whatever it is that is coming our way is something that we have to leave it the way it is. And the work that has to, that has to happen is I have to elevate myself. I have to do something to me that will enable me get over, get through, better deal with whatever the challenge 
is in, in front of me. And it's a huge difference. Birur nisayin. Birur means I'm eating the bread. I have to elevate the spark of a toyu in the bread. I'm working with the world. Nisayin means I'm working with me. And these are two opposite things. Outer-oriented, inner-oriented. Leave it the way it is. Why is it irritating me? What type of understanding do I have of whatever the, whatever the phenomena is? And, and, and I have to change that relationship. I have to understand it differently. I have to relate to it differently. I have to finally come to a place where the thing stays bidiyuk the way it is. And the one that changed is I. I am the one that needs to elevate myself. The word nace means a flagpole. It means a miracle. It means elevated. And that's the meaning. On the Nesoyen actually doesn't mean a test. A bechina means a test. We use the word Nesoyen. Nesoyen is already the solution. That if something is presenting itself in a certain way, then the purpose for that at times is for me to elevate myself. How do I know whether I'm succeeding or not? Well, is it causing me pain? Is it, is it something that's pleasant? If it's pleasant, then I elevated myself. Or, or, or it is not happy. It's not pleasant. <laughs> it's, it's work, but it doesn't mean it's pleasant. I think I think in every and everyone's in everyone's what's the goal? No, it's, there are times in life. It's good to get that clarity. There are times in life that the purpose, the goal, is to fix something that's outside of us. Of course, everything has both, and and me, I know that. But there's a problem. I'm fixing the problem, and in the science is a term that we use if the emes, if the truth, if we would only know the truth, if in the objective truth, the purpose that God, why did God bring all of this about? Not because God wants of me to fix the world. God does not want of me, in this case, to make a birur. God is giving me a test. We use that word test, meaning I have to do something to me. And when I do something to me, yeah, that experience, I will relate to the same fact in a a whole different way. We all know how to do that. We just don't want to do it. I mean, first we surrender our ego, which is the most painful part of the process. And I think after that, I don't know. How do you do that? Well, I don't understand the question. You're married. You have kids. That's how you do that. You did it. All right. I'm saying everything in life, whatever the challenge is. We need to, we need to have, just to add, now, when do I know if this is to be birurd or this is to be nesoyant? That's a good question. But at least to be aware that there are two whole different ways of approaching reality. Okay, and again, just to give a little blurb because it's important in some circles. In the Chabad Lubavitch world, yesterday, which is the fifth day of Tevis, and subsequently a week are days of great celebration, but inner celebration. This is the only, the only yamtiv, we call this a yamtiv, that, that by us in Chabad, the Rebbe actually was externally upset when it was celebrated externally. <coughs> a li- just a little bit of a background, which is really, the, the background is not the point. That's the point I want to make, that the background is not the point. When people wanted to write the story of, hey, Tevis, the Rebbe said, not to write it. 
because it wasn't a birur, it wasn't a soyan. Those were his words. And what's amazing is that this event happened in 1987. His entry to the diary was in 1929 on the same date. Hey, Tavis. It means the first thing that ever wrote in connection to his father-in-law is a concept that at time there's bitter, at time there's no sign. And that's the content of what he wrote. Outer work, inner work. And that's what the, his father-in-law told him. That's what his father-in-law told him. That was the mimer. And in 1987, so the, the short is, is that these are very mystical ideas. The previous Rebbe passed away in 1950. The Rebbe did not view his passing the way we were, the way we understand the passing of a person. The Rebbe related to his father-in-law, to begin with, not that much as a physical human being, but as a, as an ashama that inspires him as a chassid with emuna and with bitachen and with love of God and with awe of God. He related to him on such a level that the Rebbe, of course, mourned by his passing, but did not view his father-in-law to be someone who, mamish, just passed away. He didn't pass away. And these are, this is a truth that we all have, whoever has a, a relative, a parent, who is no longer amongst the living, we get that to a certain level, but there's also the pain and there's the lack and, and there's the tragic part of it at times when a person passes away young. Nobody parked in this is side. Parking enforcement outside. Somebody parked on the side of the street, you get a ticket. That's, that's called the bid or not an assignment. Mm-hmm. No, it's here, the solution is to move the car. An <laughs> <laughs> assignment would be the person that would say, so I'll get a ticket. Let me learn how to get a ticket. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any purpose in that. I think this is a bid. I think it's clear over here. Now, okay, very nice. So, so he was a spiritual uh, tzaddik and the Friedrich Rebbe in, in his mind is like living on, like mamish living on, but, but it, it's beyond the norm. Beyond the norm includes that the previous Rebbe, not beginning with him, but he was a link amongst all of the Chabad Rebbes that spent a lot of effort and money in accumulating Jewish books and having a library on a smaller level, it's so beautiful when a Jewish home has Jewish books in it. It elevates the home. Bechlal books elevate a home. So um, this, I'm getting completely off on a tangent, but it's good to know. It's when you walk into a person's home and you go into a living room, right? Let's go just, that's where it would be. What, what are we living with in the living room? So, you know, it's just, it depends. It's a cultural thing. You go into certain homes, it's gonna be filled with books. Even if the kids in the house don't even open a book, it, it does something to the home. This is a home where you gather, get together. We are, we, are the, we, are the, we are the nation. We are the people of the book. And on top of that, how much more so if we're speaking about holy Sfarim. We are the only people that if a safer falls, we kiss it. Find me another culture that does it. You won't. Because a book is not a book. Of course a book is a book. But a book that has in it words of Torah, we, we consider it holy. These are mystical concepts. But we actually, we do something. We make sure it doesn't fall. We give it covet. And if it's completely worn out, we don't just throw it away. But it's just a book. It's not just a book. In other words, there's a certain 
merging of the physical and the spiritual that Yiddishkeit advocates that, that manifests like in these little things that are not that little. So the Friedrich Rebbe, who was running away for his life from the Nazis, at times would not move on without his library. It was that important for him. And in it, there are many manuscripts of Hasidic ideas that were never publicized up, up until recently. It was, it's a treasure. It's, I know that even quantitatively, and things should not be measured with numbers, but let's be very external, the biggest Jewish library in the world, who knows who has? The Vatican. Stolen. Ganovim. Shameless thieves. Amongst other big crimes. Mamish. And, and then, after that, which is a big, it's a good thing that the JTS, the JTS is the conservative headquarters in New York. They have the second biggest Jewish library in the world. And it's open to the public. And let me tell you something, it's worth it for you guys to go there. I spent a lot of hours in there. Okay? It's, it's a Gavaldic. You go in there, stop. It? It's called the JTS. It's in Manhattan. It's the Jewish Theological <coughs> Seminary. It's a conservative, their headquarters. You walk on over there, if you're speaking about the unity of the Jewish people, you want to see unity amongst the Jewish people, go to the JTS. You're going to find Hasidim. You're going to find Haredim Shavah Haredim. And you're going to find, I mean, from any, whichever you want to learn, you're going to go there and learn. I never saw that in my life. I have a cousin who's a big scholar who told me, you have to go see this. And yeah, he's now with Rosh Hashiva by us in Morristown and Lubavitch. Going over there, told me not to be impressed because you're going to have women sitting with the Talas and Tefillin and learning. You got, you got everyone is in there. <coughs> it's a big library and it's an asset for us. It's good to have access to Swaram. This third biggest library of the Jewish people is the Rebbe's library. In quantity, aside of the quality, the Swaram that are there. Now, the, the, the technicality of what happened was is that the, the previous Rebbe had three daughters. They all got married. The youngest daughter and son-in-law were murdered by the Nazis. The Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe's surviving daughters, the eldest one had a child, sat only one son. The, the Friedrich Rebbe's second daughter, who married the Rebbe, had no children. So the Friedrich Rebbe left a, a, a grandchild who, at some point in the 80s, wanted to claim as an heir the right, the ownership of some of the library. And, and you're speaking about almost a strange, many people can say like an inner family dispute. That's how some people can view it, in which the Rebbe did not view it that way at all. The Rebbe adamantly was claiming in a federal court through lawyers that the Friedrich Rebbe is alive, that an inheritance is only relative when someone passed away. A tzaddik, a rebbe, doesn't pass away. And therefore, he lives on through the chassidim, meaning through himself and all of us. And the library, it belongs to him. Or the library belongs to the community. There's different ways of wording whatever the argument was. It was a very, the rebbe was very anguished with it. The other side, we can understand. 
the other side, actually, they, they, they needed financial help. There was a time in which people felt, let's go and uh, they needed financial help. Okay, let's go. They're right. They're a grandkid. He has claim to whatever. Let's settle. The Rebbe was very adamant. No, that he's not settling for this. Very on Rebbe type. And when the, when the Rebbe won this court case, which was crazy, he won it on all counts. Then he won the appeal. The Rebbe said on Shabbos, these words, the Rebbe says, some people wanted to write the story down. Like the speaker, I'm speaking about the story, I know it's being recorded, it's not about the... The Rebbe says he doesn't want the story recorded because it was not a birur, it wasn't a sayin. I remember when he said those words. <coughs> for the Rebbe, for him, and, for, and subsequently for us. In other words, when you write down a story, the Rebbe says, You're writing, there was a guy called Ahashverosh, and then there was a guy called Ahaman. We're not comparing, I'm just saying, and they did this, and that was bad, and we needed to go deal with them. That's something that acknowledges the world out there, which at times must be acknowledged if the work is the work of Birurim. If the work is the work of a Nisoyan, what happened out there is not relevant. Of course stuff happened. Of course something irritated you or something challenged an idea that you believe in, that you live with, and you have to overcome it. But whenever you, want, you know in your bones that the way to go about it is not to change the world out there. That's not the purpose. That's a distraction. I have to work with me. It's an assignment. Remember the Rebbe said on Shabbos that there's a medrash, beautiful medrash, Many of us heard it to you when we were children in Cheder, that when God told Avram Avinu, and this is a test that's hard to understand, but that's what happened. God told Avram Avinu, take Yitzchak and offer him up as a sacrifice. A Nesoyen, and that we use the word Nesoyen. So the Medrash says that when the Satan saw that Avram Avinu was actually doing it, woke up the next morning and he took Yitzchak and they're going, he wanted to stop him. So he made a big body of water, a lake, in between Avram and Yitzchak and the destination, Har Hamiriya, Yerushalayim. The Satan did it. On the words of the Medrash, and Avram Avinu went into the water. And when the water came until his neck, until his naturals, the waters disappeared. That's a Medrash. The Rebbe says that's the meaning of an Asayim. There's no lake. What happened physically doesn't matter. Maybe there was a lake, maybe the lake disappeared miraculously. It's not the point. The point is, is that the, 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 the Kavana, the mindset, the approach, was, it's not about the lake. It's about that there is some place where I need to go and you have obstacles that are coming my way. The purpose is not for me to change the obstacles, to manipulate the obstacles. The purpose is simply to work within me, to come to a point where there is no obstacles for me. Nitzah. So there's a lake, you know, so it's raining, so it's uncomfortable. To come to a place, it doesn't matter. The excitement of the destination, however you want to deal with, that's what you were asking, Bela, like how do we do that? A good kashem, but before we get... Okay, so let's, that, that's, that's one point. I want to, that's a good foundation, yeah. That has to be fixed, yeah. So, so like this, the, the correct answer is, Probably, in most cases, it's a little bit of both. But it's good to be aware of this distinction. And I want to add something very important. We have enough time. And that's the Maimed of the Alter Rebbe 
on this week's opening of the Parsha, the story that gets everyone every year, doesn't matter how many times you heard it, Mamish of Yosef and his brothers, and, and ultimately how things worked out by divine inspiration. Like, you can't plan this. It's like beyond how Benjamin was taken, and now the brothers had the opportunity to do the opposite of what they did before, before they sold the brother, now they're willing to wage battle for their brother. Which is what the Jewish people are in right now. It's beautiful. If you want to look at some beauty and what's going on, that's the beauty that we're protecting each other. And we're not allowing someone else to take a yid who was wrongfully taken. Binyamin, he, it was a false accusation. And they, and they, from their perspective, look at Emuna. They were going to lose this battle. How can you fight against the government? Like right now, you know, <coughs> no one is fighting against Iran. Looks like to me, like we're afraid. Like there, they went, they went to the source, and they, Yehuda was, you read Rashi and Chumash, told Yosef, one of us two are going to die. You or me. And all of the brothers backed up Yehuda. What was in his mind? I have no idea. This, did he think he can win? It was irrelevant. I mean, he, 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 there was an approach of Yosef and Yehuda. There are so many different levels of, of the understanding of what that approach is. And the Alter Rebbe says something beautiful. He says like this. He begins by making a contrast between the Mishkan and the Migdash. In the desert, God wanted a home. Okay, we built him a home. And God really wants to have a permanent home. And that is the Beis HaMikdosh. And he, the Alter Rebbe is focusing on the fact that the, that the ordering of how the Mishkan was built versus how the temple was built was one opposite the other. What do I mean by that? That being that the Mishkan was to be made from all of the elements in the world, we want to make for God a home from the world. So you want to use all of the world. So we, the Torah, categorizes reality, physical reality into four. It doesn't contradict. If a scientist will come and say you can divide it into a thousand, they're right, into 10,000, they're right. But we focus on the following four. You have that which is inanimate, that which has no external life, there's no movement, there's no growth. It's called silent. Domem means silent. The earth, stones, even water, it's called doimem. Not because there was no life in it. The Arizal says there's a lot of life in it. Even scientifically, we know how much is happening inside this table. But doimem refers to the part of reality that does not move. It's, it has the least amount of vitality and life in it. One level above it is vegetation life, including trees, that which grows. It's moving, it's growing, bigger, smaller, withering, but it's still stuck to its place, like a tree, like a grass. Above that is a life force that not only is growing, but it also is, it's, it's less limited. It's moving around. We call that the animal life. And the highest category is the person who is not limited to, to oneself, how are we not limited to ourselves because of the power that is uniquely human, the power of speech? 
So these again, these are words on, the Rambam uses these categories, the Kabbalah uses these categories, Doimim, Sameach, Chai, Medaber. And parenthetically, what animals don't communicate? Of course animals communicate. So why are we called communicators? Who knows the answer for that? Like what makes us distinct? We know now that animals communicate very well. We figured out the language of the bees. And they show you that you can watch it now online. How a, a, a mechanical bee is doing the dance, telling them where the honey is, and nebach, all of the bees, they go to the wrong location. I mean, they, 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 we, we know. And Shleim HaMelech, it says, he knew all of the languages of the animals. That's a mystical thing. So that's a good kasha. Okay. We don't, we don't communicate ideas. How do you know? Just instinct. How do you know? Because so then you should say, so then, then we should be called uh, creatures with ideas. But the, we are called communicators. We, still we, we, we have a concept and we are able to transfer it to another person. To another okay, person. We'll, we'll leave the question open because there won't be enough time for this. I just, this is a, but there are four, there are four levels of of reality, and when God commanded us to build the Mishkan, so it's amazing how the Mishkan was physically built in a way where the lowest of the levels was on the ground, it was sand, and the, the walls of the Mishkan was made out of cedar, pine, we're familiar with those trees, arazim, koirais botenu arazim, korot botenu arazim, on top of that, we had the hide of animals. They were not living when we used them, but they came from living beings. So there was, there was a setachash, yes. So we had them, there was also izim, there was other from other animals. So there was a seder that anything in this world that is considered of a higher life form was physically higher. There was a hierarchy. In the Beis Hamikdash, everything was inverted. To the point that we were generally not allowed to use wood. The roof, the ceiling was made out of stone. Stone was what was the lowest. And the Mishkan was the highest in, was the, highest in the building. It was ordered, rever- reverted. And the Alter Rebbe speaks about this concept that Kabbalah uses the whole time. That people used to have these signet rings. It was a common thing. And when you have a signet ring... So what's the, there's a phenomenon of that, amazing, whatever is protruding on your ring, when you use it, becomes indented on the wax. And if there is an indentation in your ring, when you use it, the result will be something protruding, which means that there are certain realities that aren't only different one from the other, but they are opposites one from the other. That in some reality, that which is the lowest, or the weakest, or the least alive, in, in a different reality, it's not only that there is a different seder, it becomes, it becomes inverted. And he's speaking about this mimer, Yosef and Yehuda. Let me use my words now, that Yosef represents the work of Birurim, and Yehuda represents the, the avoida of Nisoyen, and the question is, what's dominant? And, and, and this is a very good rule in life. The younger we are, the more dominant is birur. 
And you, that's the way God made us. I mean, think about it. You have, you have to get there. You have to get married. You have to make a living. You have to educate your kids. In other words, there's a lot of things that we have to do in the world out there. Yosef. Yehuda represents Nisoyen. The reason why they are at war, that's the thing I want to share. And that's a good cloud. How do I know what I'm into? I don't know. I don't know. But no one think that the way of succeeding in Birurim, whatever tool I'm using, that will be my big uh, power in Birurim, will be my downfall in the, in the science. And whatever it is, weak, whatever you consider ah, to be successful in the world out there, right? Gotta go, you gotta, gotta dominate, okay? Or any other characteristic. What is considered strong for Birur will be your downfall in the Siyanis, will be your weak. What's needed in the inner work is the opposite of what you need out there. And that's a very good insight of the Altadev. It's inverted. The thing is, the Altadev gives religious examples, which I'll give, but this is big. These are big ideas. The Altadev has big ideas, but you have to know how to better translate it, and everyone can custom make it. The example that, that we use over here is that prior to the Balshantiv, what was considered the highest um, virtue we're not speaking about observance versus not observance because we're speaking, again, we're speaking religiously, everyone was observant. But what was like, the, who was the big, and this is very male-oriented, who was that? the Talmud Chacham, the scholar, the Talmud Chacham. He knows. He knows. He's intellectually very developed. Right? The one that always wins the debate. Okay? And in the world out there, that's great. And we all know that in the world in here, that will be the downfall. Many people's marriages fall apart because they always win the debate. Because they're always right. Right? And, 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 and the Baal Shem Tev says, no, 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 that the ish pashut, the simple, the simple, the sincere, sincerity. You try sincerity in the world out there, see if it's going to help you. I don't think so. To be naive, I don't think so. And in the inner world, the, the whole avoida is to remain sincere and to remain pashut. You know, there's, there's, there are letters, Tehillim, there's letters that are printed in the back of the Lubavitcher Tehillim, beautiful letters that have in them a lot of stories from the Fidika Rebbe. He wrote his story. So he writes a letter that the Magid, as young, the Magid of Mezrich, who became the successor of the Balshemtiv, who was the great Talmudist student, he was a student of the Pinei Yeshua. I don't know the name of the Pnei Yeshua, but in the yeshiva world, the Pnei Yeshua is like this big commentator, which he is, that everyone learns now in yeshiva. And his master student was the Magid. The Magid had a physical ailment. He limped. He had a very bad limp. And the Pnei Yeshua, who was not a chassid, he was not against, neutral. He heard that the Baal Shem Tev is a miracle worker. So he told his Magid student, go get a blessing from the tzaddik and he'll heal you. The Baal Shem Tev did not heal him, but he kept him. And he became a student of the, of the Baal Shem Tev, and the Pnei Yeshua had no problem with that. That's the greatness of a Jew. He felt if his student found himself there, good for him. He never opposed the Hasidic movement. He remained neutral. 
That's an inner. See, that's a great man. Not Birurim. If it's my Birur, so it's the Balshemtos. So he remained the successor. So he writes, the, the Friedrich Rebbe writes that when the Maggid was introduced there, he came from a world, in the non-Hasidic world, scholarship was dominant. The Balshemtov interacted with everyone, even with the simple folk. And Friday night, whoever wanted came. And he witnessed the way the Balshemtov was giving attention to Anashim Pshutim, to simple people. And we say simple with the greatest reverence. And just to know, even in the slang, the word simple was, derog- was used in a deraga, a simple, a simple part, like you're not sophisticated, you simpleton. Okay? And, and it bothered him. It bothered him that the Baal Shem Tev was giving that much attention to the simple people. Shabbos day, there was a time where only the scholars got together because he was teaching whatever he was teaching. If you, 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 you were not initiated in certain ideas or in the language, you wouldn't get it. And the Baal Shem Tev, in the middle of his teaching, told everyone to close their eyes and everyone should put their hand on the shoulder of the other. Many stories with the Baal Shem Tev that way. And he closed the circuit by putting his holy hands on the chevr around him. So everyone was physically touching each other. And when their eyes were closed, they saw what the Baal Shem Tev was seeing. What was the Baal Shem Tev seeing? That next door, all of the simpletons that were not allowed in, they were saying to Hillel. And they saw how they were saying to Hillel with a sincerity that they envied. And the Maggit says that at that moment, when I saw the sincerity, the Tmimus Dekait, and the warmth, that these simple Jews have when they say to Hillam, he says, I envy them, and I knew that in my entire life, I never said to Hillam on their, on their level. And he understood why the Baal Shem Tev is showing them attention. That's a, nice, that's a nice religious answer to your question. So being Pashut in the world of Birur won't do you good. Right? Look at the war. We're doing a war out there. The world out there, we're being tricked. The whole thing, we were tricked, we were tricked. Why? Because we're Tom. Okay? We have to admit to that. And in the world out there, you have to be sophisticated, you have to be shrewd, and you have to be very good. That's in Birurim. In the, in the inner work, the worst thing is to be shrewd. The worst thing is to be sophisticated. The worst. You have to be Emes. Emes is so simple, but it's so difficult to be simple. They say, what? Common sense is not that common. And common sense is not that... Uh, it's just common sense. But, and when you say, wow. That's Yaakov. Yaakov's challenge in life was is that by nature he was more an Asoyan type of person. And his capacities of succeeding, don't forget that he only went out there when he was 84. Like we, again, last week, what was last week? That the Yosef did not recognize his brothers. Yosef recognized, they did not recognize him. Why did they not recognize him? There's a kasha, a simple kasha is, it said two weeks ago, Ben Zekunim. Yosef was Ben Zekunim. We learned Chumash Rashi. Rashi writes, Ben Zekunim. Ben Zekunim, I think in modern Hebrew, was used in Yiddish, I'm a zinical. Ben Zekunim is like your youngest. Ben Zekunim is your youngest when you had a kid when you were in your 50s, like you're already, um, or in your 60s. I'm not insulting. When you came to an age where you thought, I'm done, boom, comes a baby, God sends a kid. There's a unique, you know, that there was a picture that came like two or three years ago, like this crazy picture of a Kala walking to the chuppah. There's a whole story. And next to her was uh, two ancient people. And there was a Lubavitcher guy and asked like, why are the great grandparents the parents? There's a whole story. There was a wedding a few of, not that two years ago, 
where there was a girl in her 30s and her parents were not in their 90s when they walked her to the chuppah. I know now with the science, with medicine, it was like a crazy miracle. Both parents? Yeah, huh? Both parents. Beide Elton. Like, <coughs> unbelievable. There was a story behind the story, but I, what am I coming back over here to? That, um, oh, so Yosef was a Benzakonim. It says, Yaakov, Yaakov loved Yosef because he was the Benzakonim. Was he the youngest? No, the Amin one. Rashi. So Rashi writes, one of the things he writes, that they looked alike. Now, parents should not show favoritism, but I think it's human that if a parent sees their replica in a kid, they'll feel a certain affinity. Let me word it different. No one is looking at me like that. When you have grandkids, and if the grandkid looks like your side of the family, there's something. Or if you don't like them, and they look like them, you go deal with that. That's an assoyim. You're not changing the vida. Nope, that's, a, that's an assoyim. You have to learn how to... Had a love, had a love, had a love the kid the same. Just because he looks like your mother-in-law doesn't, not the kid's fault. That's all nisyonis. So, so Yosef looked like it says Yosef looked like Yaakov, like mamish. So that makes the question much bigger. If, if Ben Zakuna means that they looked alike, they were like if they were twins. But they were so different. In face, they looked. And by the way, it's not just Rashi that there are many different gemaras that say that that Yosef and Yaakov. Looked so identical, like when it says that when Yosef was, was being challenged, his Nesoyan with, uh, with Potiphar's wife, so it says he looked in the window and he saw the image of his father. You know why he saw the image of his father? Because he looked like his father. And they looked alike. And was, he saw his reflection. So, uh, doesn't matter. You, you're talking about the I'm talking now, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just speaking of words. It can't just mean external, but let's speak about external. I just want one thing. So the question is, how did they not recognize him? They knew their father. But people say, ah, he didn't have a beard. So what? Yaakov had a beard. What the answer, again, this account, the answer is, how old was Yosef then? 39 years old. Yaakov was 84 when he got married. When he got married. Oh, yeah, so they didn't recognize him. Had they met their father when their father was... I'm just coming back to what you're saying is that Yaakov... Getting married by 84, yeah, he lived to 137, and that was young. But still, 84 is like someone getting married in the 40s now, <laughs> instead of getting married in the 20s. I mean, he was already, so what was he doing? I'm saying, Yaakov, what ya- Yaakov in the science, you know, Yaakov was an inner, inner type of guy. He was working with himself, and he was secluded in the yeshiva over there. Yaakov was Tom. Was like more, <clears throat> I'm sorry? Was Yosef more like, you know, Yosef was out there. Yosef, that's why he was disliked. Yosef's whole job was to better, I mean, that's what he did. Think about, well, Yosef lived until he was 110, right? That means for the bulk of his life, even when he was 17, he was living in the world out there. He was living in the world out there and he ultimately, he brought a lot of good to the world. He saved them from famine and his administrative skills. That's Mamish Birurim. Some people are gewaldic. He was great in running a country. And Yaakov was, was, a, was a Ishtam. So I think we have our nature, and I think we have to know circumstances, but I think the Chiddush is two things. Just to know that there's Bidon and Nesoyen, very different, and we should just question, what's the purpose here? Is the purpose for me to fix what is? Or is the purpose for me to fix me? You can say in marriage, it's all in Nesoyen. Let's go with that. And in Parnassah, it's all Bidon. I'm saying, there, I'm sure there's certain rules and exceptions, but the word of the Al Tareb is, that's very deep. Wherever... I but I think that in, 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 your, in your home, it's more about Nisayan 
Stop changing the people around you. Right? Change you. Easy for me to say. All right? And in the world out there, primarily when people are making a living, the purpose of that is to change the world. You're doing a bitter. But the point al Rebbe is making is, is that what does that mean? It means it's not just different. We're, when people are good at something, here's where they get tripped up. When people are good in something, so they get an MO. That's the way I am. That's the way I function. And I know, I know from the feedback, it worked for me. It worked, replicate it if you are doing another bidur. If you're, if, you're, if you're focusing on self, and I think I was saying the older we get, I think, the less bidur, the more nesayim. The older we get. I think physically. So you're saying, like, if you have a challenging uh, relationship with people in the world, your relatives, your in-laws, whatever, so you have to change yourself. For sure. You an, that's that. an nesayim. I would say as a rule, yeah. it's an nesayim. So, so what does that look like, changing yourself? The way you feel about it, the way you act about it, that you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How you, re- yeah, how why, you react to Why are they getting under your skin? Right. Why? So that's a challenge. Though. That's an assignment. Yeah. That's an assignment. That's a big challenge. Yes, yes, yeah, I know that. No, 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 not, not to minimize it. God forbid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Correct. Now, there are times that the, the approach is not for me not to get irritated. The approach, let's go with Hamas, yeah. is to get rid of them. <laughs> not to learn how to live with them. That's called a bidur. Okay. You wanted to say something. What I was going to say is that I, I do agree that you're very much busier with the women earlier on in life and then you have more opportunities to, to do Nisayan, but I think the more that you do Nisayan, you'll have a better sense of when the room is appropriate and Very good. Very good. Very good. is needed. Agreed, agreed. Another thing, when the Rebbe said that the avoid of birurim ended, whatever that means, this could be, this could be that I felt as je- collectively we, were, we came to a time in history where in everything we should at least also focus on on, on the, on the Nisoyan part of it and, and less on the Birur. That, 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 that concept resonates with me a lot. But also the Nisoyan actually is Birur internally. And I'll tell you more than that. I think when, pe- when people change properly, the outside world also yeah. changes. Yeah. Just that, that, cannot, that cannot be the purpose. Then you're manipulating. But when, when people really shift in, the, in a better way, the circumstances mummish change. It's a miracle. It's, true. it's a ness. It's, it also um, creates a vessel with which, I mean, this kind of thing, things to happen around you that may have been more of a block because you were so busy with Barurin that there wasn't even space for these things to change. Very good. And, and however I succeed, my most important tool for Birurim should be my least used tool for Nasyonis. That's the point, Altarebis. That's the struggle, Yosef and Yud, because they're opposites. And ultimately, one has to be the dominant. So earlier in history, Yosef was the king. Yehuda was subservient. And in, in the future, Yehuda is going to be the king. In other words, yeah, that as we evolve... As we evolve, we should focus a lot more on the inner way of interacting with what, the challenge. With me, I'm cha- that's the Rebbe. The Rebbe says, don't write the story down. It's not about the story. It's not about the library. No, 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 no. We witnessed the Rebbe undergoing through a certain challenge. The Rebbe used to say that the challenge he felt was, am I, am I, me Rebbe, am I really living in the reality that my Rebbe is still alive? 
That's what he was saying. Are we as active? Are we real Hasidim? Are we active? Never said that. Yeah. And the fact that he was vindicated, that was a sign. Not that he was right and go to sleep. What was the takeaway? Takeaway from the Rebbe was that every single thing in the library has to be published and shared with the world. That was the bottom line for him. Generally, for, we, for us to learn more. In other words, Gavaldik, that's a beautiful uh, takeaway. That's a yomtev. It's not the partying, and, which is nice, gesund hate and making lachaim and moderation. No, no, it's, a, it's about learning Torah. It's about spreading Torah. Like the whole idea of, of a private library, like that there were so many manuscripts that no one had access to. Now everything is digitized, everything. It's phenomenal what they did. And everything is available. Problem is, Tom, that most things are still in Hebrew. So for a big segment of the Jewish people, we don't appreciate the treasure that is there. And some people are slowly but surely, and this is a lot of work to get it translated into English. It's different than the books came from <clears throat> Russia. It's all part of the same challenge. So mm-hmm. what happened was a few times, there were a few times that the Friedrich Rebbe needed to leave some books behind. Mm-hmm. This is when he was escaping either the communists or escaping the Nazis. And the Russian government, like the Vatican, they confiscated, they stole. Mm-hmm. And we are litigating with them in American federal court and we won. They're being fined up as a million dollars a day that they'll never pay mm-hmm. for, not, for not giving all of the books that they took Back to the library of the Rebbe. Do they still have books? A lot. A lot. And they have the, the tools from the base of Mikdash. That's, the, that, that's the Vatican. That's the Vatican. That's the Vatican. I was talking about the Russian government. I'm saying, this is the challenge. Yeah? Going back to the Vatican. Look, look at what it's our treasure. They have a lot from the base of Mikdash. First they said they didn't have it. Now they no, 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 no. They have it. They, yeah, they can't. They can't send the Gemara. But from what the story that you told about the Davis, it seems like there had to be a, a quick bill in the beginning because you said the grandchild did have some, you know. I'm just, so I'm just, I'm bill, just trying to. I don't want to make the story to describe the other side as a. Oh, okay. The felt that it was but very. You have to to get to the inside. You have to have a quick bill. To know that that's what it's there has about. to be circumstances in the world will always present itself to every human being for a living that will be challenging. And the first question before we jump, is this a birur or is this an asoya? That's question number one. Is, is, is this because that has to be fixed and I'm the big chacham and I'm going to fix it? Or no, 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 no. Maybe that's perfect. I'm a problem. Or well, that you can't fix that. It's someone else's job to fix it. Who says it needs fixing? Well, when you have certain situations with people, you know, like they have... Okay, yeah, I, 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 correct. Sometimes, sometimes you're not the one to fix it, but someone else needs they to fix to it. it no. Accept it. Okay. No. Okay, but I'm saying just, just to take a pause on that and, and the, the ikid of the mime it is. Not to, not to use, you're using certain koiches and you're good at it. We get older, we get good, hopefully, at certain things. Not to use it in the wrong place because it's going to backfire. Because it, it, it's a whole different set of tools. It's the opposite. It's reversed. You have to reverse it. Figure that out. So when you were talking about the go, I was thinking about what happened on Friday. Oh. When they shot the yeah. Day. It seems like the bill is asked. Because it was indiscriminately and now they said, no, stop. You have to look at what you're doing. 
I don't think we have enough information even to know what it just, we just know that it's painful that we know it's very painful so painful like suffocating and two weeks ago I'm still with that that terrorists attacking Yerushalayim and finally someone came and killed the terrorist then we killed them. Yeah, that's so... That's and imagine, imagine, imagine the tsar of the person who did that. Imagine yeah, these soldiers. Like someone told me, someone told me there's an article how many people committed suicide since October 7th. The women that got raped. I'm saying, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot that we're not being... <clears throat> saying that the, these soldiers that killed, think about their, their, their tsar, their life. The Last night, there was a lady so much pain. CBS... 60 minutes. Let's not record her.